Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ, and welcome back to our study of the book of Matthew. Today we are going to be in Matthew chapter 5, which this chapter is very interesting because it marks the beginning of what uh, we always call the Sermon on the Mount. And this chapter has a lot of information in it. He has a lot of points that he makes uh, in this chapter, and so we're just going to get right into it to try to cover as much as we can uh, within the 10 minutes. Now, as he says in verse 1, <clears throat> Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. He's, he's drawing the setting here. In verse 2, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Now, beginning in verse 3, going down through verse 12, is typically what we call the Beatitudes. Different attitudes, different characteristics of, of a Christian. Things that we are to possess. And as he says here, at the beginning of every single one of these Beatitudes, he uses the word blessed. And this word means happy, fortunate, or well-off. And so he's saying if we want to be happy, if we want to be fortunate, if we want to be well-off, then these are the things that we need to clothe ourselves with. With humility, with sorrow because of, of our sins, or, or sorrow because of of losing loved ones, whatever, whatever it may be, as he says in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And blessed are those that are persecuted. Blessed are you, as he says in verse 11, when others revile you and persecute you. When we look at these things and we see all of these different types of characteristics or mindsets, these are the things that we need to be putting on as Christians. These are the things that we need to, to strive to develop within our own lives. And one of his major points within the Sermon on the Mount, especially here in chapter 5 and as well as in chapter 6, is the fact that our heart matters. That was something that the Jews oftentimes overlooked, and that's really what he's hammering home here, especially within this passage, that our heart and our attitudes matter. But then going on to verses 13 through 16, a very well-known passage again, there Christ commands us to be salt and light. He uses a couple of different examples uh, for this point. He, he says that, that we are the salt of the world. If the salt has lost it, its, its flavor, he says, wherewith shall it be salted? He says it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. We are as Christians to be the examples that God wants us to be, and we are to do this, as he says at the end of verse 16, so that they may see our good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are to live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to God. And then in verses 17 through 20, he's discussing the fact that Christ came to fulfill the law. Now, because there is so much within this chapter, we're not really going to be able to look at this for as long as I would like to. But as he says in verse 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's saying the whole purpose, or at least one of the purposes of Christ's coming to this earth was to fulfill the law. In fact, another passage you can look at is Romans chapter 10 and verse 4 where Paul tells us that he is the end of the law. Galatians chapter 3 verses 23 through 25 shows that the law was a schoolmaster to bring them to Christ. And Jesus is saying, 
He didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill everything that was within the law. All of the prophecies regarding himself so that he could take that law out of the way and establish his covenant. So that's what he's discussing there in verses 17 uh, through 20. And then in verses 21, going down through verse 30, again, he is hammering home the point that our heart matters. Yes, our actions are very important, and he's going to get into that later, but, but he's really trying to hit home to us that our heart is very important. Our attitude towards things is very important. He uses two different examples uh, within these verses. The first one is anger. There he says in verse 22, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, brother in some translations add there without a cause, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, being angry in and of itself is not a sin, as we see in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Paul says to be angry and sin not. So being angry in and of itself is not wrong. But what we do because of that anger is wrong, and if we allow that anger to, to cause us to say and to do things to our brethren, he says that's when... That's when we're in error. That's when we are in the wrong. That's when, as he says, we will become liable of hellfire. So the first example that he uses in, to, to emphasize that our heart matters is that of anger. Because our anger can lead us to do things and to say things that could put us in judgment of, of hell. But the second example that he uses there in verses 27 through, through 30 is that of lust. Lust is one of those things that the Jews almost completely disregarded as if it weren't a sin. Because he says there in verse 27, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, the Jews always emphasized action rather than the attitude and the heart of someone. And Jesus is saying, even if you don't physically act upon it, but you look and you lust, he says, you are just as guilty within your heart as if you had actually committed adultery, as if you had actually committed fornication with that woman. He says, you are still in sin, even though you didn't act upon it physically. And again, hammering home the point that it's not just what we do, but it's also what we think. It's our attitude. It's things that that perhaps others can't see. It's, it's our heart that can make a huge difference in our lives and in our salvation. In verses 30 and 30, or 31 and 32, he discusses divorce very, very briefly, but for the sake of time, we're going to save that until we look at Matthew chapter 19 because he goes into uh, more detail within that passage or in, within that chapter, and we'll have more time to cover that uh, whenever we get to Matthew chapter 19. But there in verses 31 and 32, he discusses divorce. Then in verses 33 through 37, he discusses oaths. Because these, these people, they would swear by heaven, they would swear by the earth, they would swear by the temple, they would swear by just about anything. And in verses 36 and 37, Jesus says, And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. He says, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. James reiterates this in James chapter 5 and verse 12. What he's saying there is we need to live our life in a way where we don't have to swear. 
We need to live our life in a way where we just say yes or no. Where we don't swear upon anything else again, as he mentions, whether it's in heaven or whether it's on earth. But rather just simply let our yes be yes and our no, no. And in my experience, a lot of times if people are having to swear by heaven, swear by God, swear on their mother's grave to try to prove to you that what they're saying is true, most likely it means that it's not true. And so we need to live our lives in a way that's honest. And whenever, whenever we tell someone yes or no, they can rest assured that that means yes or no. We need to be people who are trustworthy. That's what God has called us to be. Then in verses 38 through 42, he is discussing retaliation. Typically, we call this turning the other cheek because of what he says there in verse 39. And in this entire passage, his whole point is if someone is persecuting us, if someone is, is hurting us, then we are to turn the other cheek. We are to not retaliate. Another great passage to study with this alongside this is Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. Because there Paul reminds us that vengeance is God's and he will repay. We are to not take vengeance uh, for ourselves. We are to not to exact revenge upon somebody that has harmed us, but rather leave that to the Lord because on the day of judgment he will repay those that have persecuted us, that have hurt us, that have done terrible things to us. And we need to leave that in the hands of God rather than trying to take that upon ourselves. And then in the very last portion of this chapter, in verses 43 through 48, Jesus is telling us to love our enemies, which goes hand in hand with what we just talked about in verses 38 through 42. He says, if we love those who love us, as he says in verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you, going, are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? He reminds us that we are to love our enemies. He says to pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those that spitefully use us. In this chapter, again, there is so much that he discusses. There is so much that he goes into. And it's a wonderful chapter. It's a wonderful passage for us to learn from. And I encourage you to go through this, to look at this in more depth than perhaps we've had time to do today. But I thank you for your attention. I thank you for, for coming and listening to this and watching this. And I pray that, that you will be edified, that you will be built up, that you will be stirred up to live a life that is more pleasing and more faithful to God. Thank you.